Welcome to the PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast featuring your hosts, Carly Kistler-Miller, David Wynn, and Miles Free. Hi, I'm Miles Free, and welcome to PMPA's Speaking of Precision podcast. Carly Kistler-Miller and David Wynn have joined me today, and we are going to discuss twist drills for success. Welcome, Carly. Welcome, David. Thank you, Miles. Thank you, Miles. All right, twist drills. I assume they don't twist things. It's the drill that twists. The drill has a twist, and that's a twist itself. <laughs> the twist, the drill. Oh, so it's, it's the, the ones helix. that, that okay, okay. So it, it's like the drill I use at home, right? Yes, exactly. Okay. Except in many cases in our shops, the drill is held rigid and the material spins. It's kind of hard to do on a project at home. That's true. I don't think you can get my bedroom wall to spin so I can make a hole. Yeah, yeah well, maybe we could have. Yeah, 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 I don't if you know. rotate your bedroom wall, we might cause more problems than we fix. Yeah, might you're be. right. It's a very good point. But the real importance of this is I can't remember seeing very many precision machine parts that don't have a hole or a whole bunch of holes. A whole but You're very proud of yourself for that one, aren't you? Holy. What? <laughs> what do you have for lunch? <laughs> My wife's Spanish okay. rice. It's so good. Mm, it does sound good. It's so good. So we have these, the need to make these holes, but depending on the job, we may need to make 50 parts. We may need to make 500 parts. We may need to make 5,000 parts or more. And the material could be really easy to drill, like your bedroom wall. Mm -hmm. Or it could be really difficult. So, Dave, he's talking about materials. Does the size of the hole matter, too? Yeah, it, it more of the size tolerance of the hole um, is where it really comes in. This this all come about from observations I've made through the years in machining that there are certain materials, like your really free-cutting materials, that if you use a higher-end drill, you have trouble with your holes cutting tight. And uh, so you want to use like a regular standard fluted drill, not a parabolic with a 118 point in something like a brass or aluminum. And that helps you keep the hole to size because your drill will cut on size or a little over. But then when you're fighting some of those tougher materials, you want to use a higher end drill, like a parabolic drill with a high spiral, pull the chips out, get the coolant down in the hole. Uh-huh. What he said. Well, actually, what he said was, <laughs> we're not talking about carbide drills yet. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, uh, you know, a lot of the data provided these days and a lot of the things that you see in different conferences and everything are all tailored toward carbide drills. But in a small job shop, we don't want to spend that kind of money on a part that we're only going to make 150 or 200 pieces. And carbide is what the drill is made of. Yes, that's okay. correct. So carbide drills are common. No, not common. Expensive. A, they're expensive. They're that's expensive. why there's a lot of information out there about that. Right. So in in your graphic design, you, you try to make the minimum effective difference to get the listener 
or the viewer to see something, but you don't, you know, put all kinds of lightning bolts and stuff on, right? You're discreet. In our shops, generally, we're tempted to use the best tool possible. If I could do it with one, but if I could do it with something that's even more, more better, more better, <laughs> I'm going to go with the more better. And so I think a lot of people have a tendency to, well, this carbide can handle everything. Oh. And in reality, it's probably might not, be overkill. You might be overkill. Okay. Yeah. So they might be spending money. They don't have to. That's right. And it doesn't is make the economic sense. Waste. Yeah. You say it. Yeah, it doesn't make economic sense to do that. Yeah, like he said, quality's absence of waste. You've got that extra waste out there when you're spending all that money. You spend two hundred dollars on a drill that you could have bought a twist drill for five or six dollars and do the same job. Aha. Okay. So then we're determining this podcast is determining what drills to use when. Yeah. How do you know which drill to use? All right. So teach me. What are the criteria? Somebody tell me. Well, we just did a Craftsman Crib Sheet on this, and so there's a nice little chart on that, and you can check that out online, pmpa.org, the Knowledge Center. What I did, I made a little chart from my own experience. When you're doing free-cutting materials like your 360 brass, 2011 aluminum, uh, non-filled nylons, and you've got a hole tolerance that is greater than plus or minus 5, and you're going less than 4 times deep, you want to use a standard flute drill on that. You don't need the parabolic to pull the chips out. You don't have to fight to get the coolant in the hole. You need something that is going to allow you to cut the hole to size. It's more reasonably priced, and you're not going to fight the holes being tight. When you've got to go deep, like more than four times deep, and you're having pullouts in there, you'll get just a little bit of rub because no matter what we do, our holes are never going to cut perfectly true. And so you're going to not have that tight hole problem. So you can use a parabolic drill for that when you're greater than plus or minus five thousandths and going more than four times deep. Okay. So I need to back up the bus here and do some simplicity. What's the difference between a flute and a parabolic? It's a different flute type. So a standard flute drill, um, and I don't totally know all the engineering and theoretical things, but a parabolic drill is more expensive. It is got a higher spiral. The helix spins faster, and so you pull more chips out of the hole faster. Um, typically, they're what's called a split point grind, so it's a self-centering drill, and it has a 130 to 135 degree point most times. Okay. All right. So the, the standard flute is going to cost less. But the parabolic flute is going to cost a little more, but you can pull chips out with it. That's right. Okay. I'm with you now. Go. The hole tolerance greater than plus or minus two, but less than plus or minus five, uh, and you're less than four times deep, you want to use 118 standard degree drill because in those easier to cut materials like your brass and aluminum, you're going to be able to hold that size. But if you're going less than plus or minus two, I always recommend reaming. You can probably hold less than that in the free cutting material, but reaming is your way to go. Now, if you're going greater than four times deep, same thing. You're going to want to use that parabolic drill because you're going to be using pullouts. You're going to be coming in and out of the hole. And so your alignment's going to allow for that hole to cut to size. So David, the, uh, I, I'm, I'm not confused, but I want to make sure that it's clear to the listeners. Generally, when we 
go from one drill to another drill, we want that angle at the front to be larger so it will stay centered. But we can use the same angle as long as it's just a pullout or a peck. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. And you can follow a hole with the same angle. You need to be greater than equal to. So typically with a twist drill, we're going to spot with something like a 90 because most of the prints that we get in our shops are drawn with a 45 degree chamfer. So you spot with a 90 and then you follow with a 118 and you can follow that with another 118 or you can follow it with a 135. But once you've gone to a parabolic, if you have subsequent holes, you always have to follow with another 135 or flatter drill point because if you go back to a 118, your drill's going to walk off center. Very good. It's an important thing to note. Okay, so you said that was brass and aluminum and non-filled nylon, right? Right. right. So, no glass fibers in the nylon to destroy your toys. All right, but what about like steels beast. and alloys? So when you get into the tougher materials, like your steels and alloys, when you're less than four times deep, and which is what the chart says here, but I say less than three, three and a half is the book, but I say three, that's a safe um that's a safe bet. So we're going to say that holes of greater than plus or minus five and less than three times deep use a 118 on your tougher steels and alloys. David, I have a question. So plus or minus five, that's 10 thousands. That doesn't sound like a lot, but it's three and a third sheets of paper in my lexicon. What kind of a part would have a tolerance that, that roomy? You know, uh, you see a lot of tolerances that roomy in our industry when you're doing just basic bushings. Um, you know, I've run parts for furnitures and you've just got a screw that you're going to hold on a lounge chair and it, they've got to have a bushing for it. Plus or minus five, pretty standard tolerance for a hole for that. Um, run some parts that go on dump trucks where you've got to hold the tailgate on. That's plus or minus five. So they just got to get a pin through there. It's just got to ride. It doesn't have to be real true. It's not something going to put bearings in. Well, it better be good steel if it's a dump truck. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> do dump trucks have tailgates? They do. Yes, they do. Okay, they then. do. And my parents, <laughs> when they first moved to Tampa, were involved in a traffic jam because grade eight bolt failed on a dump truck that spilled garbage on the freeway. Ugh. And you can run your air conditioner and run out of gas. <laughs> Or you can roll down the windows and smell the failure of the grade eight bolt. What we do matters, even even the bushings for the dump truck. That's, That's right. right. Yeah, those engineering tolerances are there for a reason, and that material spec is there for a reason, and they're critically important. Okay, so that's the, the 0. .005 tolerance, right? Or did my less than track? three? Yes, less, less than, less than three, three. Okay. times the drill diameter in depth. So a relatively short hole. A short hole. Yeah. Okay. And so when you're getting three times the diameter, more than that, um, you're going to want to go to a one thirty-five split point drill parabolic, and that's self-centering. It's going to pull the chips out. It's going to get the coolant down in the hole and. I always say to use pullouts, you can usually get three to three and a half times on your first drill, and then you're going to go two and 1.1 after that somewhere in there. But that's, that's an important aspect to drilling is getting those pullouts because when you're using high-speed steel or cobalt-style drills, they're flexible. The carbide drills are not flexible. And so you can successfully pull in and out of the hole 
clearing the chips out, get the coolant down in there. And that's one of the big benefits of using a high-speed steel drill is being able to peck because you can pull the chips out. The carbide drills are great, but you don't want to totally disengage the material because they're not flexible enough. They will break. I have no idea what to say to that. <laughs> Column strength is a thing. Column strength is a thing. Okay. <laughs> So, and when you're in those tougher materials and we're getting in the tighter tolerances, when we're talking about less than plus or minus five, greater than plus or minus two, you're always going to want to use a 135 split point drill because it just even drilling 1018, which is a relatively easy material to cut, drilling is difficult in these lower surface footage materials and holding tight tolerances on size. It just, you get so much heat buildup, your drills tend to expand the material and you get holes that are oversized, sometimes bell mouth on the pullouts because alignment is key in those tougher materials. David, it's interesting. You haven't said anything about speed. And to me, speed is heat and heat is like the real problem we're trying to solve. So yeah. is there a difference when we, when we adjust the drill type? Is there an accommodation we should make on speed so that we don't build up excessive heat downhole? There can be, um, but I typically find if you get the right speed and feed on a drill that the pullout distance is the key for not generating heat, not necessarily the feed and speed, that they're, they're relatively true from the shallower holes to the deeper holes. Now, on the super extreme end of things, if you're getting into 15, 20, 25, 30 times deep, sometimes adjusting speed is necessary. And feed has to be less the further down hole, especially if you're doing like a small hole with a flexible drill. So if you're using like an 093, which is a pretty common drill in different industries, 332nd, when you get down 30 times deep on an 093, <laughs> you have to really be careful with chip management because you have a chip in the hole. When you re-enter, your drill tends to walk off center and it'll get progressively worse for every subsequent peck. And the other thing that I'd, I'd, I'd like to inquire about <clears throat> is... Often, back in the screw machine, when, when most of the jobs were on multi-spindles, wasn't it the drill that actually set the cycle time? Isn't that the limiting factor on many jobs? It can be, and, and especially if you don't have other features like threads. Um, the drill right. a lot of times is the limiting factor. Threading will be a lot of times when it's not, but if you're just cutting bushings or you've got some kind of manifold or something like that where you've only got holes, the drills are the limiting factor many times. Which means that we've really got to get the speed right if we're going to get the profit and loss right. Yeah, that's right. And that means we have to get the drill right. <laughs> yeah. And in a multi-spindle world's a little different. I come primarily from a single spindle world. You can do some neat things in a multi-spindle um, where they peck differently because you're using multiple positions, like in a six-spindle Acme, maybe they would drill in three different positions. So they're effectively getting a peck, but they're only drilling constantly in each okay. position. Makes makes sense. So you talked on the free cutting materials about how you preferred to use a reamer to dial in that 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 fine tolerance. On uh, these more difficult materials that work hard, is reaming still a thing? Reaming's still a thing. And, uh, I, you know, you have to be careful with your material allowance. You have to give yourself enough that you can successfully ream the hole. But especially in these high nickel grades, you have to not have enough 
that you're going to be work hardening the material and you have to feed at the appropriate level. And that's a lot. One thing I think a lot of people don't do is feed their reamers hard enough. You need to have that your material allowance so that you can push your reamer hard through. And then there's some techniques you can do if you're having issues with hole size where you can feed in at one feed rate and feed out at a faster feed rate and some things that you can do like that to help hold that hole size. Speaking as a former dad of teenagers, I resent the fact that I have to give the tool an allowance. I'm already feeding it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Seriously, what did you have for lunch today? I like Spanish rice. So is that, did we cover everything? Did, did you cover all the tolerances and such? Yeah, I think we covered it all. All right. I, is there... Is there like smaller tolerances that should be considered or? I, I'd like problem. to go bigger. You want to go bigger? bigger. I, let's right. go bigger. I mean, we're trying to engage an audience here, but let's get boring. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I'm calling your wife. <laughs> so what about boring, David? Isn't that a great way to make a hole? Boring is a great way to make a hole. And um, and to be honest, as time has moved on and I have moved away from screw machines when I was in the shop and moved more to CNC, I quit reaming as much as I used to and went to boring. Um, I like things like the solid carbide bars from Horn, um, some other companies that I can't come to mind, but I'm real familiar with horn boring bars and they work great for holding tight tolerances, especially when you have multiple subsequent holes. So if you've got maybe three or four different diameters that you have to hold a close tolerance on, boring is the most effective way to do that other than using a custom stepped reamer. But to start the boring, we have to first drill. That's right. And we got to get that allowance right. We need to hold the hole to a consistent size and consistent concentricity. We can fix a little bit with boring, but we have to get it right to begin with. And then they need to work harder if they're going to get an allowance out of me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Well, there you have it, listeners. Different hole requirements, depth, tolerance, materials, all require careful deliberation about the choice of drill, the choice of process, and perhaps even the choice of a follow-up process to ensure the finish. Thank you for joining us. Please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast. You don't want to miss one. Also, check out our Speaking of Suppliers podcast to hear how our technical members can help your shops. For additional information, please visit pmpa.org, where you can find our knowledge centers filled with articles, webinars, more podcasts, and other resources just for precision machining. And if you aren't already taking advantage of a PMPA membership, be sure to check out pmpa.org to learn how we can help you thrive. And why is a PMPA membership important, Carly and Miles? Because Because we we are better together. together. Don't forget to join us next Monday on Speaking of Precision. Ta-da. We got so right. boring at the end. Are you sick? Are you? Oh. <laughs>